Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. What's going on, everybody? We appreciate you listening to this episode of Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Today's guest is a pianist, a producer, a composer, and an arranger. This Detroiter has four albums to his credit. He's worked with the likes of Althea Renee, Kim, Lee Rittenauer, and many others. In addition to making his own music, he serves as the musical director for Lynn Roundtree, whose latest single just hit number one on the Billboard charts. Please welcome to the show the supremely talented Demetrius Neighbors. Demetrius, welcome, man. Thank you, Carl. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. I want to start by talking about your career evolution. And, you know, you've been doing this for a minute, you, even playing on the Arsenio Hall show back in the day. Talk to us about how you got started and how you chose contemporary jazz as a genre. Well, I got started when I was, I learned how to play music uh, or play the piano when I was 14. Okay. It was like a month before I turned 14. Huh. I was uh, learned how to play piano. But before then, I had learned how to play quite a few instruments like uh, drums, okay. clarinet, trumpet. Um, but once I learned piano, that was the love and passion I, okay. I stuck with. I learned, how to, I learned how to play um, when I was at church, so I took lessons. I didn't know how to, well, I knew how to read a little bit, but I, I further developed, you know, through the years of taking lessons throughout high school. So, yep, so I grew up in church playing the piano. You know, that's such a common thing. I was just, I just had, I did an episode with somebody else who mentioned an artist, and Eric Benet was the artist he mentioned. Eric and I used to sing together in the church choir as kids, right? And so many of the artists that, that I talked to have really started their journeys in the church. Yes, sir. A lot of my colleagues, colleagues that you all know, a lot of us grew up in church. So it kind of sets the foundation, especially with jazz. Yeah. Um, so it's been great. How do you think that the what you learn in church and the music you play in church, the gospel music, how do you think that translates into the jazz world for you? So in the jazz world, so I also... Um, because I play straight ahead jazz. Mm -hmm. So that's a little more complex, mm -hmm. um, of course. And so to me, gospel and straight ahead jazz translates nicely because they're both, you know, kind of dense is, you know, smooth jazz is, again, contemporary jazz is more smoothed out, you know, group oriented. But I think from a gospel perspective, it translates well with smooth jazz because we have a lot of grooves in gospel. You know, when you get to that climax, it's just grooving, just staying there. And, it's, and contemporary jazz does the same same thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how do you describe your music? Is there a label you put on it or not really? Not really. My my <laughs> my music is infused with with again, with gospel, R&B, even fusion, because, again, I play straight ahead jazz because Again, what made me wanted to play jazz was hearing Chick Corea uh -huh. and the electric band. So that's when back then, you know, trying to do all the type of arrangements and everything. And again, in gospel, I was able to even express some things there arrangement wise. So my, my music is a hybrid. And, and I've been fortunate that I've also produced, you know, R&B um, compositions and everything. Those sort of things, again, that kind of tells me to calm down. <laughs> like, 
you know, teaches me how to bring it back, bring the music back and let it groove. And then there are times when I can just let go when I go play, you know, straight ahead jazz and gospel. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, you and I met recently when you were part of Lynn Roundtree's band at the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival here in Milwaukee. Yes, sir. And I got to tell you, man, y'all y'all turned it out. And I've had so many people come up to me afterwards and say, man, those guys were fantastic. How was that experience for you when you were here? Listen, it was great. And I'm not just saying this because when we because we did the festival, but from walking in the door when we first arrived, Carl, you and the staff, I mean, that's number one. That's even before we even hit the stage. You all were amazing and attentive and just made us feel at home. Y'all took care of us. And then sound check was great. And then one key thing that usually happens after sound check that didn't happen at Fresh Coast. And kudos to you and your staff is that when we came back, when we were done with sound check and it was excellent, when it was time to perform, usually the mixes change and all the musicians and artists know exactly what I'm talking about. When you come back, when it's time for the show, it did not change. It was great. It was wonderful. The festival was great. The, the crowd was into it. Every song that we played, it was truly an experience. And, and it, again, it was great. Yeah. Amazing. I got to tell you, man, I, it's great to hear that, but I, you know, like, and we do like, that's important to, to us that we do take the attitude that when artists come to our event, we want them to feel like they're visiting our home. So we want to extend that kind of hospitality to folks. Right. But Absolutely. When, you know, when I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't get to see all of the show. I get to see a little bit of everybody's show because I'm working, right? But I got to tell you, I sat in on the beginning of the show and Lynn is somebody I wanted to have for years because I just, I had him on the podcast and I just knew how much of a showman he was, you know, and how much he cared about the show that he puts on. And I got to tell you, man, just sitting there and watching the crowd, man, my I was ecstatic because I'm watching the crowd, watching you guys just and everybody's into it. Everybody's having a great time. And that's what we're trying to do. Make people laugh, smile, have some fun, tap their feet, bounce their heads and dance a little bit. And man, y'all really brought it, man. Y'all really brought it. Yeah, we had a we had a ball. We just we just have fun. We do what we usually do and uh, and feeding off the crowd and just. You know, we had a funky good time. It was, it was great. Yeah, was sure great. did. Yeah, sure did. So talk to me about your process for making music. How does that process start for you? A variety of ways. When it's time for like my project, I don't, I, I, I pray before I, well, when it comes to composing and arranging mm-hmm. or producing, I always pray before I do anything. Yeah. It's not a clear say. I do. And sometimes it just hits me. In weird spots. I mm-hmm. mean, a lot of times, <laughs> not to be too personal, but you yeah. asked about the process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can. A lot of my songs have come from driving, where I'm just driving, heading somewhere, and I hear a melody. And also when I'm taking a shower. And I literally have to the point, like, I literally have my phone. Every time I get in the shower, I put my phone, my, the shower is right next to our window. So it's a windowsill. I put my phone on the windowsill because usually I hear a melody when I'm in the shower and I hit the voice memo and will sing it into there and then go from there. That's cool. So and also running, because I'm a runner. Okay. So those three, that's when it really happens. Okay. Are there parts of the music making process that you enjoy more than other parts or no, because they're unique and it's you know, they're unique. Mm-hmm. You know, creating is amazing. Again, producing for other artists is amazing because yeah. you 
you get to try to bring their vision to life. Yeah. Arranging is great because then you're taking someone else's work and trying to make it better while complimenting the artist yeah. or the, yeah. the writer. So they're just in their own bag. Yeah. Very okay. Good. Okay. But they're different. I mean, really, they're, they're different aspects. Like it's got to be, it feels to, it seems to me like mm-hmm. it would be a lot to put yourself into those different mindsets of, performing versus producing versus arranging, right? Yeah, that's the challenge and that's and and it makes it exciting because mm-hmm. because a lot of times when you're composing your own music, right? Yeah. That's you. So you get to do you feel like you get to do whatever you want. Yes, you have to keep your consumer or your listener in mind, mm-hmm. but it's your own work. And when you're working on someone else's material, you have to remove yourself because you have to focus on the artist and what you know, listen to their vision and try to bring it to life. So that's a challenge and it takes you out of, you know, you're not as comfortable. And so I love doing that. And then arranging, you know, to go back to there's work already done. So now how can I make that song my own, even reverence to that composer or that artist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you like before you go on stage, man? Like when you're out on tour, are you calm? Are you nervous? Are you just excited? And I'm excited and I try to stay calm and I, I try to stay ready. So I prefer to kind of sit back and, you know, stay within the music. So a lot of times I'm still listening to the music, even though we just had sound check. Yeah. We've had rehearsal. It just keeps me in a mindset. And so I try to get into a quiet place as much as possible. But sometimes, well, most of the time when I'm with my band, like the band you saw for Milwaukee. Yeah. We perform a lot of shows. They're like my main band for, for me as an artist. So we have a camaraderie. So our fellowship before the show is always great. We're focused. We're talking things over and just enjoying and getting ready. So a lot of times that happened. But if I'm MDing for somebody else, usually I get quiet, get into a quiet space. And again, listening to the music. So when it's time to go out there on, you know, on stage, we do it. Yeah, that's so. fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, let's listen to some of your music. And this is, I got to say, of your of your many songs, this is one of my favorites. This is the remake of the Janet Jackson song, Funny How Time Flies When You're Having Fun. Awesome.
everybody. That was today's guest, Demetrius Neighbors, with his remake of that Janet Jackson hit, Funny How Time Flies When You're Having Fun. What is it? There's so many songs out there. I know some of your songs are originals and some are remakes. Like when you choose a re- to remake somebody's song, what is that song? That song, I would think, has to mean something to you. To make you say, of all the songs out there, I want to I want to put my my spin on this one. So the the cool thing for me is whenever I remake a you know a song or a classic, it's because I love that song. And yeah, when I was young. I used to love listening to it. You know, just the vocals, the groove of it. I loved it. So whenever I remake a song, that's because I just love the song. And then I was always trying to figure out. I'm like, okay, this is contemporary jazz. Everyone knows how, you know, well, everyone, but majority knows how that Janet Jackson song, you know, goes. So how can I make it Demetrius by yet, yeah. you know, holding on to the originality of the song? Yeah. And so it's a couple of things you can do from a harmonic perspective. I did a transition like this bridge that goes somewhere you didn't even expect it was going. And we come back to the original and then there's a vamp that yeah. I did that says me. So just little nuances that makes it special and makes it different. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, hats off to Anisha Moody because vocally she killed that song. She writes for Mary J. So many R&B artists. She used to be with Dark Child and she's an amazing vocalist and a writer. Yeah, she definitely did put a a wonderful stamp on that song. That's a great song. I really love that song and and your rendition of it. So, So if you weren't doing music for a living, Demetrius, what would you be doing? (laughs) <laughs> I'm out. Well, I have two careers, so I'm okay. actually doing the other career that I wanted to do first. Okay. I didn't want to be a musician. Huh. My, my goal was not to be a, a professional musician. Okay. So we'll get into that. So okay. what, I, what I want to be, and, and by the grace of God, I am doing, I am an accountant at a, one of the top four accounting firms in the world. Wow. Okay. Yes. So okay. I have, a master's, I have a master's in accounting and also have a master's in music. So again, when I was younger, I was introduced to accounting in the ninth grade. Uh-huh. And at the time, I wanted to be a CPA and I wanted to play basketball. Okay. Because I'm 6'1". Uh-huh. So I wanted to play point guard and shoot guard. And I was. <laughs> I played a little college ball and all that. And I was trying to get ready for overseas while still doing music. Okay. The goal was not to be a professional musician. Yeah. Or or anything like that. That's what I wanted to do. Wow. So you're a renaissance man, an athlete, an accountant, and a musician. That's a combination that you rarely find. I don't know that I've ever met anybody who has that combination. Yes, sir. And I'm a tired man, too. Yeah. I can imagine, man. Shoot. I'm semi-retired and I'm tired. You got three jobs, man, or two jobs and a and an aspiration to play basketball, man. That's a lot. One of our kids, my youngest daughter, she always says, Daddy, you have like seven or eight jobs. I said, Jada, I know, and your dad's tired too. <laughs> but I love it. But yeah, that yeah. was not my goal. So when I tell people that, or when they see me um doing accounting or and then they see I'm doing music, I get it both ways. They're like, How are you? doing accounting and you're, you know, from their words, I'm this great musician producer. Yeah. But it's true though. I mean, you are, you are a very accomplished musician, like at the highest level, you are a world-class musician and it's rare to find people who can hold down two demanding careers like that, but also to, to be 
that I'm going to call it am, um, intellectually ambidextrous, if you will, yeah, right? Left and right yeah, side man, because like accounting versus being a musician are two totally different ball games. Yes, I'm really grateful that I get to experience both sides because I have this technical side, and then at the end of the day, when they get on my nerves, I can go to the creative side. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just embrace and it helps soothe. So it's demanding, but yeah. Is there an area of accounting that you specialize in in your other career, in your accounting career, or are you more of an accounting generalist, if you will? So I, I've done the financial statements, uh-huh. and, and I'm also a tax person. So I've, oh, okay. I've, I've actually worked in, you know, in basically the whole accounting, you Arena. know, uh, yeah. we call it the accounting cycle. Gotcha. So now I'm I'm pretty much settled in you know, doing taxes. Yeah, got you. I will tell you, man, I owned an ad agency in Milwaukee for about 20 years before I retired from there. And in all of my years, the thing that I went to business school and all that kind of stuff, but the thing that I felt like I had to learn to really be good at my business was accounting. So I went and I took accounting classes after I was running my business so that I could learn how to speak to my accountant in terms that I could really understand what my account was saying. And so I understood where, you know, like when you mess with your money, you got to understand where every, what, you know, what everything means and where everything is going and all that stuff. Absolutely. And hats off to you because I wish, I think everyone who has their own business mm-hmm. prior to be an entrepreneur, yeah. they need to take accounting just to understand the language yeah. and yeah. also see where your money is going. Yeah, you absolutely. might not have to wait, but you need to be able to look at the books and say, hey, something is not right. So yeah. when you yeah. saw these athletes or singers where their account, you know, their accountant has taken advantage of them and stole yes. their money, that's because we know how to do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no, I hate to say it, but that's just true. Yeah. You know, yeah. We know that entire world. So I think everyone should learn it. And it, it makes you, you know, it makes your business better. You it can does. make it in your number. And, you know, sometimes and sometimes, too, it's not everybody makes mistakes. And as a business owner, if you don't know how to read those financial statements, you can't find the mistake. Like I found a mistake in one of my businesses not that long ago. That was about a $10,000 mistake, right? It was an honest mistake that was made. But if I didn't know how to go and pour back over that information and look line item to line item and say, hold on a second. No, this shouldn't be classified this way. It should be classified that way. If I didn't understand that, I would have never caught the mistake. That's right. And just because accountants, because we have the experience and every company is different, Mm -hmm. sometimes most of the time, we are relying on the CEO or that owner to help us understand their business. Right. So that's another thing that can help. So I, I just think everyone should take it. You don't have to specialize in it. Just go to your community college and take one or two accounting classes just yeah. so you can learn. Yeah, get the baseline. Get the baseline of understanding. Well, that's amazing, man. That's something about you that I did not know. I'm glad we uncovered today. But I will tell you this. I'm glad you're doing music too, my brother. So let's take a listen to another one of your songs. How about we play Bounce to This? Ah, that hit Billboard Top 30. All right. All right. Yes. Fantastic.
Or everybody heard you just heard again Demetrius Neighbors, our guest today, and his song Bounce to This. So, like you said, that song hit Billboard top thirty. What is that feeling like when you have a song that gets that level of commercial success, man? It has happened three times for me, and it's yeah. amazing. It never gets old. Yeah. And shout out to my brother Marcus Anderson. Yeah. I've played with him many, many times and been the musical director on his set. So he tore it up and shout out to my band who played on that song. It just feels good. It, yeah. it feels amazing. You know, I'm going to keep working hard because I need to I need to hit the top 20. I need uh-huh. to hit top 10 as an artist. Yeah. And I've had it as a producer. I've had a few number ones as a producer in jazz and in R&B. Okay. So I just want to get there as an artist yeah. to get top 10. And, and I don't know that people really understand just how difficult that is to do. Like, that's not, that's a, that's a task, man. That's a feat, you know, to break those charts and to get to that level on those charts because there's so much music out there and there's so much music being, being pushed into the system on a weekly basis. Yes. Yes. It's at least from what, what my uh, radio promoter expressed to me, it's around 50 to 60 you know, songs per month. So if you can break that, that that is amazing. And it's a testament to your music. But it's also challenging for independent artists because we don't have the machine behind behind us. So breaking into that is definitely a success or, you know, an advantage and just a blessing. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy about that. No doubt about it, as you should be, man. And that kudos to you. So, so Demetrius, you. we have this game we play on the show. It's called Bout It or Doubt It, okay? So oh. if you're about it, it's something that you're down with. If you doubt it, it's something you're not quite feeling. Can we can we get you to play today? Let's do it. All right. I you Get him up. I mean you body body. That I mean body. We say you body body. Uh, I represent. I doubt it. All right, Demetrius, you're, we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category. All right, and then we're going to ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions. All right. All right, Demetrius, your category today is food and beverage. All right. So, bout it or doubt it, pumpkin spice food. Doubt it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> not your thing, huh? No, no. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I'm kind of down with it. Like, my family teases me. My wife and I always host Thanksgiving in our house for, for our families, right? My family's um, in Wisconsin. Some of her family comes in from Ohio sometimes. And my okay. wife loves the pumpkin pie at Costco. The thing is huge, right? She buys pumpkin pie. But my family always teases that, like, come on now, you're going to lose your card if it ain't no sweet potato <laughs> pie here. Come on now. You know, what's up with this pumpkin pie thing, man? You know, so... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Okay. All right. And I will say this, too. I do do the pumpkin spice coffees, too. I'm not crazy. Like, I got to go get me a pumpkin spice latte from, from Starbucks every day. But I do do a little bit of that on occasion. So Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So, all right. Also, bout it or doubt it, seafood. Can I say bout it with some, what is it, bout, bout it with limitations? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Talk us through that. So I'm not a seafood eater like that. Okay. I used to eat shrimp and a few other things like years ago, but I stopped eating about 20 years ago. So I, okay. I'm down with catfish. I'm down with salmon. Uh huh. 
What else? Maybe calamari every now and then. Okay, okay. Tuna. I like tuna. Uh Uh-huh. That's about... And some whiting. Yeah, okay, okay. I I like mild fish. I don't like the fish. Mm -hmm. So even if a salmon is cooked, and let's say they didn't cook it all the way, and if I taste something soft or it's not done, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, okay. Well done. Give me at least a little crunchy Uh because I like the fishy Fishy. Gotcha. So you you wouldn't be down at the suit with the sushi place, huh? I've tried it. Uh-huh. I did try it. Uh-huh. I would try some things. Like I really want to like lobster because lobster looks really good. Uh-huh. And I've tried it and I and it's just the aftertaste for me. So okay. I tried sushi, it was the same thing. It's, yeah. it's the aftertaste that just doesn't yeah. settle yeah i could never do the sushi thing really my daughter is a huge sushi fan and my daughter and my wife sushi and poke they like both of those things and i just could never really get down too much with either of those i haven't tried poke because eh, i just don't want to try it <laughs> but sushi i've tried multiple times and you know i can i can leave sushi alone i'm okay with oh, that yeah. i can leave it, yeah, alone. I left it alone you yeah, know i've tried it i tried it and i yeah you know. Yeah, not not my thing. Not my thing. So who would you say are some of your current musical influences, man? Current musical fluids. Number one, I would say Gonzalo Rubacaba. Ooh. Jazz pianist, Uh Afro-Cuban. He's just freaking out of this world. I would say him, Herbie Hancock, of course, Glasper. So those three are definitely my influences. All right. So what's playing in your car right now? What's playing in my car? Mm. Well, I like to listen to different, again, by me being a producer. I'm actually, uh, shout out to my dude, Michael Fields Jr. Because uh-huh. he came out with a live album, <clears throat> contemporary jazz album. So I've, I've been listening to him and Land Roundtree, his album. Because yeah. I, I did three songs on Land's latest album. Okay. And his, and his album is getting a lot of traction. So sometimes I go back to listen to my work. And then his album is a great album. So yeah, those two it really is. I've been rocking out on. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So how do you know then when a song, like when you're working on a song, either from a producer standpoint or from an artist standpoint, how do you know when the song is ready to be released to the world? When it feels good. When okay. I when I get to that point, everything is, it's like a puzzle. Yeah. Okay. So when I'm writing and producing, it's a puzzle. Everything... Number one, we work on the groove. So when I get the band there and then get the artists involved, it's just like a puzzle putting it together. And sometimes we may go back because I might hear something else at the recording. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we could take this part, this climax. It's, we're telling the story. So it's like when I feel like that story is complete. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Sounds good. So, all right. So you, music, musician, accountant, producer, composer, do you have free time? <laughs> That's the question with all these jobs. Yeah. Do I have free time? I don't know if I do. I just think I make free time because, you know, I'm working all the time. Yeah. So so, so when you get downtime and family time, what do you guys like to do? So, of course, you know, go out to dinner. But yeah. I'm a movie buff. OK. My, family's, my family is our movie buff. So we love going to the show. Uh huh. We like to bowl. OK. We like to, we'll take trips every now and then. And then sometimes we'll just ride downtown and just yeah. ride around. Okay. You know, yeah. Just scenery. And then we love to shop too. So, okay. You know. Okay. 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 And you know, it's, it's interesting because like, you know, those things, 
are so precious. Like, it doesn't have to be these big, grand things when you're spending time with your family, right? My family, we're not too dissimilar from yours. Like, right after the festival, we went out to Vegas for a few days to hang out, right? And my wife had a work thing out there, too. But we went out, and my daughter and I, we, it was now as hot as the Dickens out there. It was a 108, 106, 195 when we were there, right? But, you know, we went and did little things. I went to this, like, souped-up Dave and Buster's kind of place and went and had some meals together and did a little sightseeing together. And, man, those times are just, like, when you're – those times are precious, man, with your family, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money. Yeah, you. Yeah. Know, yeah. You went to Vegas, but like you said, that was work, so that kind of helped out. But just doing things. I mean, you know, again, we like video games as well. So just, like, you know, Dave and Buster's and just spend that time, and which is – yeah, that's important. And and I think the other thing about that, too, is like, you know, those those times, you know, like it keeps you grounded. I think it makes you better at what you do professionally, too, when you have those outlets and you have that those things that make you realize here's why I do what I do. You know, absolutely. And, and, and what's funny is that, you know, your family don't care who you are outside the house. They don't. They, yeah. Yes. They don't care that Carl has this amazing company festival and all that you you're a daddy husband and you know whatever and and they don't care they like they will carry you on the radio you have all this success you're a daddy and husband and nephew and all that good stuff we need you to take out the garbage exactly right <laughs> and that's what matters right that's exactly what matters and you're so it's so funny that you say that because like my i tease my wife teases me from the time I got into the music business, doing the festival and stuff, doing the podcast and stuff. My wife has always teased me, uh, you know, tongue in cheek fashion about being a mogul. Right. And of course, that's what I am not. But she always teases me about, yeah, OK, Mr. Mogul, like you said, <laughs> go take out the garbage, Mr. Mogul and be quiet. Right. You know, and you're right. They right. don't care, which is cool, though, because that keeps us grounded, too, in our reality that. You know, we're here for a purpose. We're here to use the gifts God gave us in the fashion that God wants us to use them, hopefully to to benefit other people and to edify, you know, his kingdom and to to live a life in service to others. And it ain't about ourselves, really, in, in what we achieve. It's about being here to serve the purpose that we're here on this earth to serve. That's right. And that's a perfect segue to I, that's why I don't comprehend or, or really understand why producers or anybody that get the big head when mm-hmm. they're doing things. Because again, you don't have to. And number one, you have to come back home. Yeah, right. You have to come back home. What you're doing out there is temporarily, but you have to come back home yeah. to reality. And again, your family remind you it doesn't matter what you're doing out there. That's you're so still true. It's and and again, it could be taken away just like that. It so sure can. That's yeah. why you you know need to stay humble. Everyone yeah. needs to stay humble and grounded, and just appreciate that you get to help someone and people. Yeah. And just appreciate people supporting your brand or yeah. your business, whatever you're doing. And that that goes such a long way in making people want to work with you, support you, and deal with you, right? Like, I have encountered so many people. Like, I will say this. In the smooth jazz, contemporary jazz genre, I have been repeatedly amazed at just how nice most of the people are. Like, brothers like yourself and people like... Najee or, you know, Larry Carlton, who was just here, just super nice, humble people that have accomplished all this stuff. But at the end of the day, they still recognize that, hey, I've been given a gift 
and I'm exercising that gift and my, I'm exercising that gift to bring joy to people. And it's important for me to not get, not get a big head about that. It's important for me to recognize that, you know, the people, my gift plus the people is what makes this happen. So it's a two, it's a dual thing, you know? Yes. And that's why I, you know, quite a few, um, individuals or just people all around ask me, well, you're an artist too. So why do you still play for some of these artists as can be when you should be, you know, really working on your solo career? And I just say, number one, I love helping people. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. still a team player. It's not all about me. So if, if my colleagues, my brothers and sisters, they, they want me to play, it's not a problem. Not a problem for me to do that, and I don't mind sitting in the background and helping someone else's vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And, and, in, and in return, they help me when when I need them as well. So it's, I just think you know, being a blessing to someone else also that's sowing the seed, and that it will return, and it won't return in void. So. Hey, there's no doubt about that, man. That's preaching. That's preaching the gospel, my brother. That's preaching the gospel. So, what advice would you give your 13 year old self about life, Demetrius? Oh, man, <laughs> man, if I could do a do over, that is the question. Stay focused. Yeah. Stay focused. Life will life. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it was so many. It was so many advice, you know, that, you know, our our teachers and everybody used to tell us, you know, enjoy your childhood, but stay focused and just just focus on what you really want to yeah. do. And yeah, I just think sometimes we we grew up too fast, yeah. especially at 13. You wanted to, you know, you wanted to talk to girls or whatever mm-hmm. you wanted mm-hmm. to do. And, and you just wanted to get grown so fast. And, and yeah. they kept saying, just slow down. Yeah. <laughs> slow down. There's no doubt about it. And I think that's great advice. And there's one more, it's one more thing. Yeah. Whatever you really want to be, and I know I just said it, yes, listen to other others. When they give you advice, yeah. but if you really want to do it, find someone like-minded who's already done it or yes, it. talk yes. to them because that's one of the things that I think slowed me down. Uh-huh. I, when I first heard jazz, that I really want to play jazz. I heard Chick Corea and I want to be like Chick Corea. You uh-huh. know, this, and I had <laughs> I had one of my family members say they were a musician and they said, you know, you can't make no money in that. But you shouldn't do that. You can't make no money. Yeah. It would be sweet, but you can't. And it's not all about that. Right. So says, you look at all these young kids that grow up, like, like one particular one. You look at Justin Lee Schultz. Yeah, right. Kudos to his father and his his parents, but, you know, especially his father, where they cultivated him, where he's he grew up doing jazz and classical. Yeah. And him now. He was a he's a child prodigy. Yep, no doubt. And, and I wish I just would have had that or had that mindset of getting around someone because I think I would probably be further along yeah, if yeah. I didn't take that other advice of trying to do something else instead of what I love to do mm-hmm. that made me want to play in the first place. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's one thing I, you know, when I have opportunity to speak to young people and something I share with my daughter all the time is that like my posture has always been find what you love and do what you love because if you find something you love to do, You'll be good at it. And if you're good at something, the money is invariably going to come. So just find what you love and do that, you know? And I think when you think about it too, like so many people, you know, I've been blessed to not have that be the story of my life, but I know so many people who have gone through their lives and doing something that they never enjoyed doing. And then they get to a point where it's like, well, boy, I don't have time to do anything else now, right? 
And you got to follow what you love. You got to, you know, because that's what's going to make you happy. And at the end of the day, happiness is more valuable than just about anything else in this life, you know? So I got to ask you this question. Nickname Crayon. How did that nickname come about? That's the question of the day. So <laughs> one of my good friends, his name is Howard Webb. Uh-huh. He used to, years ago, we used to work with each other at church. And so when we were doing arrangements or anything like that, sometimes he would come over to my house when I'm working on music. Okay. And, and, and one day he said, I was playing and I stopped playing. He was like, he was like, you know what? He said, man, you have so much color in your writing, arranging, and playing. Ah. He said, I'm going to start calling you Crayon. Wow. And when he said it, it just resonated like that. That's with cool. Me. I was like, cool. I said, okay, I like that. So uh-huh. I got a tattooed. I was like, let's <laughs> put the C on there. Let's put the K there you in go. front of Crayon. So that's where it came from. That is all right. Well, we got time to listen to one more song. How about we listen to Into the Light? Featuring Althea Renee. All right.
again, everybody, you just heard today's guest, Demetrius Neighbors, with his song featuring Althea Renee called Into the Light. So, Demetrius, do you remember the first concert you went to see and who was it? Oh, I do not. Okay, I, I, okay. I just failed at it. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> do you still ever pay to see concerts anymore? Or like you patched into the music community that you like, hey, man, I'm going to be at your show. Hook a brother up. Listen, I never ask anyone to hook me up uh-huh. with concert tickets. Uh-huh. I still go to concerts. I still pay for tickets. Yeah. I don't ever look. I'm not saying look for a handout. Yeah. But I just believe in supporting the artists. Yeah. yeah they're my yeah. best friend. Yeah. Colleagues or whatever the case. Yeah. Because I just believe in supporting their business. Mm-hmm. For example, I used to play for Kim, yeah. you know, his concerts. And Kim and I are still cool together because we've done records, you know, records that people don't even know that I've, I've produced. Okay. And I let you go look it up. But I'm real close to Kim. Yeah. And even when he comes to comes here in concert in Detroit, I still pay for my tickets. Yeah. And he always like, why you just won't call me? Uh-huh. I just, that's just been me. Yeah. That's cool, though. I don't, I don't necessarily look for a handout or yeah. I don't try to use my position to get things. I believe in, again, supporting yeah. people's businesses. That's fantastic, man. That's fantastic. So I have a couple questions I like to ask all of our guests. So I'm, uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to let you off the hook with these questions. So I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. All right. Your top three albums of all time. Top three albums of all time. So I would have to say, let me see, George Duke. Mm-hmm. I, believe, I believe it's the Illusions album. Okay. So that's one. The first album, again, that really made me want to play was Chick Corea Beneath the Mask. Mm-hmm. That's when I was first in- introduced. So those two. The third one, that's that's challenging. I would say I, I'm trying to remember the exact album, but I believe it's Thomas Whitfield. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we went gospel. Thomas yeah. Whitfield. I'm not going to get the name of the album right, but it had Let Everything That Have Breath on it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So those three albums are my my top three. Those are some pretty good ones, though. Those are some pretty yeah. good ones. All right. And you're yeah. having a dinner party, Demetrius, and you can d- invite any three people, living or deceased. Who's coming to your dinner party and what's on the menu? Oh, man, those three. They come. Okay. 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 Cool. 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 <laughs> those three, those three uh, I would definitely invite. Yeah. Um, to be able to sit in the same room and talk to them and hear, hear some stories. I did meet George Duke. I actually met Chick Corea and George Duke. Okay. That was pretty cool. I didn't get a chance to meet Thomas Whitfield. Okay, but what's on the menu? Yeah, we gotta we're gonna have to have some a little bit of soul food. There you go. We gotta have some soul food. Okay, so so what's what are your picks on the soul when it comes to the soul food? What are the things you okay, gotta so, have? So I I'm sorry, I gotta have my sweet potatoes. Yeah, I gotta yeah, have, yeah, 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 yeah. I, mean, I gotta have my greens. Yep. I can do without macaroni and cheese, but I think my wife will probably kill me. So yeah. I got to keep that on there. Okay. Um, and then I'm a barbecue person. Yes. So barbecue beef ribs and barbecue chicken. All right. And then a lemon pound cake for dessert. Wow. That sounds good, man. That sounds so. good. See, yeah, man. I see I, my mother used to, when she was, when she was alive, my mother used to make greens a couple times every week. Right. So man, you know, like some 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 of Mama's greens, some black eyed peas, man, and man, I'm good. 
I'm good. Oh, there you go. I'm real good. Go. So, yeah, That's yes, it. indeed. So tell us what the rest of the year holds for you, man. So very exciting. Uh, in a couple of weeks, me and my band will be playing at the Blue Llama Jazz Club in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Cool. We have that coming up, and I'm actually planning on recording that and releasing that as a live EP. That's so awesome. That's plan for that. And then that following week, I'll be in California performing with Costella, a vocalist. I'm on a show with her. And then the following week after that, I go to Althea Renee's her jazz festival and I'm performing there as well as an artist and as her MD. So I have my own slot and yet I will be featured with her. And then I have a couple of more performances back here in Detroit and something coming up with Alexander Zanchek as well. So yeah, performing the rest of the year. That's fantastic. Well, man, I want to tell you, we really appreciate you taking time to chop it up with us a little bit today, man. We we are happy to know you, happy to know your music. You're making good music. Continue the good work, man. And we wish you nothing but success going forward, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for the call. Thank you for allowing me to be on the show and much success to Fresh Coast and everything you're doing to the podcast. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. All right. Guess what, y'all? We're already we already have some of our artists locked in for the 2024 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival. That festival is going to be August 23rd and 24th in 2024. And it's going to feature Boney James, Nathan Mitchell, Lamech, Ryan Lavalette and others. Tickets are on sale now at FreshCoastJazz.com. More artists to be announced soon. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, FreshCoastJazz.com to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Backstage.